Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. From Bleacher Report, Howard Beck joins us. How are you, Howard? Doing all right, Johnny Mac. How are you? Good, buddy. Has your podcast changed at all because of social distancing? The full 48 is uh, still uh, hovering somewhere in the 48-minute range per episode. Um, there is less basketball to, to discuss, obviously. And, you know, it's, you know, almost, I mean, listen, I've only done two episodes since things shut down. And uh, the first was with uh, the Bucks co-owner, Mark Lazary. Most recent one was with Lakers guard, Danny Green. And, you know, the discussions are pretty much about, you know, how are you, you know, what, what's next? What are you doing? You got any good binging recommendations? Um, you know, eventually that, you know, those, those discussions may get a little bit old. Um, so we'll see how it goes from here, but I've got a, you know, a couple of great guests lined up for next week and, um, talking to some other folks and I, you know, look, we'll, we'll, we'll find ways to, uh, to, to keep to talking about the NBA, where we think it might be heading, what may come next. I think the real issue, you know, at least for purposes of, of, of NBA media, for those of us who cover this league, is that we may go into a month or so here where there just really isn't anything. I mean, the, it's still pretty fresh. The suspension of the league is still pretty fresh. I mean, nine days ago, ten days ago, but it, it, though it feels like a month already. And the this this uh, kind of limbo that we're all in is interesting in itself but at some point like this, like this isn't going to end soon right like this crisis is not going to end soon the nba can't start up until this crisis is over and that's not in anybody's hands so i, I do think that at a certain point here it's going to be a little bit more difficult for any of us to keep trying to to churn out whether it's podcasts or radio shows or stories yeah, we've got our work cut out for us, but that's okay because we're all uh, willing to fight the fight and enjoy the battle. Um, but when you do get something like the other night, Commissioner uh, Silver stepping up to the microphone on ESPN, you are parsecting every single statement he makes to the nth degree because you've got nothing else to do. I got a major question for you. Maybe you're smarter than I am. Wouldn't I, I wouldn't call your parents and brag about it afterwards that you're smarter than me. But um, the commissioner, who I think has done a phenomenal job, he was the first to act. He shut down the NBA before the NHL, before Major League Baseball, before other sports. So kudos for him for being on top of it out front and reacting accordingly and correctly. But the other night he talked about exhibition games. And he talked about maybe getting it out there to be a distraction for all the people who are dealing with our new norm in life. And I just didn't get the upside to that. 
that he would put NBA players at slightly more risk, be ahead of the curve and get out in front of it and do the right thing. And he said for charity and raise funds, which is not a bad thing because we all need to be thinking about that in part. But why do you think he went down that road? I didn't get it. Well, to be clear, it was kind of an off-the-cuff floating the idea in the midst of his interview with Rachel Nichols. And, you know, it's not like he was spelling out, hey, we've got a whole plan, this is what we're going to do, or that we're even committed to this. He was just saying, this is something that would be nice to do. If we can do this, it'd be nice to do. I'm actually surprised at the number of people who reacted with horror, like, you can't do this, that's crazy, what are you talking about, this is, I mean... He was just saying this is something that would be interesting and could be beneficial. That's all. Um, okay. If people are curious about logistics, I can tell you what the logistics would probably be. And I'm talking just off the top of my head, but right. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this is th- these are some parameters that the league would follow. One, I don't think this will be in front of fans. Um, I, whenever this happens, three right. weeks from now, a month from now, whatever it is, not going to be in front of fans. Very unlikely. Um, two, because he talked about players who will have already been, have gone through quarantine, who are hopefully in the same city. He talked about, play, you know, some subset of players in you know, close proximity to each other. You could get a combination of Lakers and Clippers or Knicks and Nets. Um, you could find a way to, to create enough of a, of a two team roster or two, two uh, teams, um, coaches, equipment managers, trainers, all people that are under the NBA's purview, all people that have been following NBA directives about self-quarantine, about social distancing and everything else, and then several of whom you know, may have already had the virus and now are immune or have been tested for the virus and we know they don't have it. You put them in a gym with the bare minimum of people, equipment managers, trainers, medical staff, and obviously a TV crew, and there you go. That's it. It's a controlled environment. It's in a small gym. There are no fans involved. Everybody who's there, you have either tested or have been monitoring or have some sense of, of, of control over uh, to make sure that they're all healthy. And if you can do that, you can pull it off. If you determine you can't do that, then you don't have the game. That's all. And the thing that strikes me about it is it can work one of two ways. It either can be the distraction that we're all looking for, signify in some people's minds that it's the turning of a corner and that we're getting closer to being able to resume regular life and activities, and it could be great. Or it could have disastrous downsides if one of these guys, after they play, tests positive and he took a chance and he went into a social gathering that the president is asking everyone else not to do, and they're doing... Do, do you cut off the number of ball boys at 49? When you get to 49, you don't want to get to 50 because that's a number that's being used now in a lot of uh, states and areas and the like that you can't have a social gathering more than 50. You're straddling a line here is my point. The commissioner is up there on the balance beam. He may walk across and we may give him a standing ovation when it does. But if there's a slip and a fall in the middle of it, he could he could have to clean a lot of egg off his face. This is why I'm saying, Jody, they're not doing it unless they can find a way to do it safely. They, they were the first league to shut down. Um, they clearly are, if you read Ramona Shelburne's story from a few days ago, they were way ahead of, of everybody else on just being informed on this and preparing for it. And clearly we're way ahead of the White House 
uh, which was completely unprepared for it. So given all of that, I don't think the NBA would have gone to all the lengths that it did to then reverse itself and, and, and self-sabotage. If they're going to do anything along the lines of a charity game that Adam Silver, as I say, floated very ambiguously the other night, I, I'm certain they are not going to do it unless they can be assured that everybody that they put in that gym is healthy and not going to be infecting somebody else. I, I just don't think they would take that risk. But they, it, the, you know, these are their employees, their players, their coaches, their their trainers, their medical staff. There is when you're dealing with a small subset of people who are all reporting to the same entity, you have a higher degree of control and certainty about their health than you do if you're just grabbing random people off the street and throwing them in a local grocery store. So uh, I, I just I think people are overthinking this. They'll do it if they can pull it off with a degree of safety. If they can't, then they won't. I think the greater risk is not about spread of, of of, of the virus. The greater risk is that guys are going to be out of shape and you put them out there, maybe somebody gets injured. That's a bigger problem. Uh, another separate problem. And yes, I'm probably overthinking it. Yes, I'm probably being too negative, but I can, I think another one of the potential uh, effects thereafter is if it happens and there is no issue and things go well, Everyone may decide, oh, if, if uh, LeBron James is making $30 million, they're going to go out there and play in a game. Why the hell can't I go to work when they should be staying home and staying socially conscious? And uh, they may just take it wrong and react differently. But, yeah, I'm a doomsday guy. What can I say? Which, by the way, brings me to my next topic, doomsday. That's a word that has uh, come into the NBA jargon, that there is doomsday language in contracts that – if a season doesn't get finished, if it gets canceled, the NBA has a legal leg to stand on to pay play payer play. Uh, I'll get this yet. I promise, Howard. Pay players less than they're supposed to. Um, I, I understand that the story had to come out if someone was smart enough to write it, but it opens up a potential ugly Pandora's box between the players. And uh, the management, the owners of the teams, and the commissioner. Uh, how likely is this doomsday scenario? I wouldn't refer to it that way. Uh, there's a clause called force majeure that's in almost every contract. And I'm, my French blows, so I mean, I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it terribly. <laughs> but that's in, that's that's in you know that's part of this collective bargaining agreement. That's part of. I mean, it's a, there's a clause probably in your contract, Jody. There's a clause in my contract uh, under that heading. And it's basically, you know, any, anything that's out of, you know, uh, the employer's control or the league's control, acts of God, as they often refer to them contractually, then you have the right to basically cancel the, agree the uh, agreement. And so um, if the rest of the season were to be canceled and the NBA is standing to lose tens or even hundreds of millions of dollars based on the loss of all those games between I think 16 and 19 games per, you know, depending on which team we're talking about for the regular season, four rounds of playoffs. That's a lot of money out the window. And in the NBA, uh, all basketball related income is split roughly 50, 50 between the players and the owners. So um, they're, they, they, they arguably should lose equally too, right? <laughs> if you pay the players their full amount, but the league does, is not taking in their full amount for the season, um, then they're they're not sharing in the loss equally. So uh, I could see as a fairness issue where the the league might say, "Listen, we gotta we gotta scale back for this season because we've lost all these games." Um, 
that's a discussion they can have with the union directly, though. That's something they can negotiate. They don't have to enact or uh, invoke that clause, but the clause is there. Um, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts, who's executive director of the Players Union and has been for, for several years now, have worked very well together. And you know, they haven't found their way to agreement on everything on the table. There's some issues on the side that have not been. But they did you know, uh, uh, extend the collective bargaining agreement a, a couple of years ago without any rancor or, or any controversy or any anything. It was pretty quick and pretty quiet. Um, so I, they're in constant discussions over everything going on right now. And if the league is going to lose games, which causes a loss in revenue, I, I, they can negotiate with the Players Association to figure out how best to, to deal with that. Fair enough. Howard Beck from Bleacher Report here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, I'm going to give you a hypothetical question because we're all dealing with hypotheticals because that's the position that we're in. Let's say June 15th that we've beaten down the virus, that the uh, authorities, the White House and all the state and local authorities are uh, relaxing their amount of people that can get together, and we're, we're certainly ahead of the curve, and we think June 15th is a legitimate date to uh, be able to start to try and restart the country, uh, and that includes the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, all those uh, entities that uh, desperately need to get back on the court the ice or the floor, um, will they attempt to get any regular season games and adjust the playoffs? Will they shorten the regular season and go into the full playoffs? Will they just start with the playoffs? If I arbitrarily set a date like uh, June 15th, how do you think the NBA picks it up from there? Don't know. Um, I do know that they are modeling every possible scenario in terms of dates, number of games, how to get to where they need to get to. Um, they've got all kinds of contingencies that they're mapping out, but there's, there, it's, all, it, it's all just modeling at this point. Um, right. it, it's impossible to know. 16 to 19 games, again, depending on which team we're talking about, that's more than a month in a normal season. You know, a normal season, a month of games is about you know, 14, 15. So we're talking maybe five weeks of games. Maybe you could compress it. But you got to get arenas. Arena availability is a is a big big part of this, and so even if you could do that, June fifteenth, a month of regular season games. Now it's mid July. It takes two months to do four rounds of playoffs to get to the finals. So now you're talking mid September. That's around the time that guys are getting ready to go back for training camp usually. So now you're talking about pushing back the start of next season. And they do need an off season, and they and it does need to be substantial. And you do need to have a free agency period. And where's the draft going to be? When are we? When are they doing that? Uh, there's just all kinds of, of other consequences of, of pushing it all back. My feeling personally is, and this has nothing to do with what the league wants to do because they don't. You know, it's, this is easy for me to say. I'm not the one giving up any any money. But my feeling is the cleanest solution is to just use the standings that was, as as they are right now. You know, if you didn't make the playoffs, tough. You didn't. You're not an eighth. Or you didn't make it to eighth place, tough. Like these are unusual times. There's no such thing as fairness in in, in the midst of, of a global pandemic. So you could just freeze the standings where they are right now and start the playoffs. And and you know you probably need a, a mini camp for teams, the teams that are in the playoffs. But restarting the regular season in June or July or whenever it would be just it seems pointless to me. Um, if we're out of the woods then as a society and it's safe for them to compete again, 
just cut to the chase, get through the playoffs, get the finals done, wrap it up. So it's, you know, a, a shortened season. There have been other shortened seasons because of the lockout in 2011 or in 1999. Um, they could do that, and it would be, I think, cleaner. But it does mean, you know, about a fourth of the schedule is wiped out. It means a fourth of revenues are wiped out. You know, there's, there's consequences to that. And as I say, easy, easier for me to say that than for them to. But I also think that with a shrinking calendar – trying to squeeze it all in and then trying to preserve next season. I mean, that, that, it's a lot to ask. Agreed. Uh, all right, last one. And I'm going to ask you to uh, put your speculating hat back on again. NBA players in the Olympics is dead in the water, is it not? Because if you either cancel the entire season, it could look bad that you couldn't get back to play the season, but you're going to go play in the Olympics. If they've pushed the season back, then it's going to step all over the Olympics as far as dates go. Uh, team USA is going to have to scramble to field an Olympic basketball team if the Olympics are even held, are they not? Well, there is a growing groundswell of Olympic athletes uh, in other sports, uh, certainly in the U.S., I'm going to guess around the world, too. I've only just seen the U.S. track and field folks and the U.S. swimming association, that those those entities are pushing hard for the Olympics to be postponed. And I think that that groundswell will continue to grow. I think that, you know, the, the most likely or, or seemingly the most reasonable, rational thing to do would be to postpone the Olympics. So far, the Olympic Committee has... Uh, been pretty stubbornly saying no we're just going to wait and see and we're still going to try to, to pull this thing off if i had to guess and it's just a guess there won't be an olympics this summer but if there is going to be you know look if the nba is playing the finals in july august whenever it is there's only a small subset of guys still playing anyway but all those guys are, are a lot you know not all of them a lot of them uh, are going to be guys who were olympians whether for the u.s or for other countries, right? Um, Giannis for Greece, um, and, and 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 others. So it, it doesn't necessarily take a ton of guys out of the mix. And then the and the uh, Team USA's pool is is a few dozen players. So you know you could take LeBron and Anthony Davis and a couple of others out of the mix and still have a really good team of guys who were already eliminated from the playoffs or didn't even make the playoffs potentially. So it's it's not impossible, but it certainly is a major conflict and. You know, for other countries where they only have, you know, maybe one NBA player on their Olympic team, if that guy is still playing, that's that that would be a bigger problem. So, yeah, it's a, it's among the conflicts, it's among the issues that they got to deal with. Right, and the point you make about uh, it is going to be if it matches up with the NBA final, how many players are actually going to be on one of those two teams? That's very true, but there might be some that were in the conference finals and or the. Uh, semifinals in the conference, and then you're going to ask them to get right back into basketball. Take two days, guys, right. and then get uh, out to the training center and prepare for the Olympics. They're going to say, yeah, I'll take a Pasadena on that one. I, uh, yep. No chance, no shot uh, that the uh, NBA players will be playing in the Olympics. Just put me down for that one. Write that one down on my indelible record. Howard Beck goes on the record with us whenever we call him. He answered and said yes tonight. We thank him for it. We will do so again in the future. Howard, thanks, buddy. Good luck with the podcast. Thanks, Jody. You too. Take care. My pleasure. Uh, one of the better basketball podcasts, 448 with Howard Beck. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.